to the Cinema Rat, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. And this is May. And welcome back to the Cinema Rag. Today we're going to talk about perhaps the most iconic actor of the last 50 years, the indomitable Tom Cruise. We're going to do a three-part series, and this is going to be 80s Tom Cruise, which I would hazard to say is the best period of Tom Cruise, but we can certainly debate that as we go through his movies. May, how would you describe Tom Cruise in two adjectives? Um, I would describe him as exuberant hmm. and all-American. I would say passionate and dedicated. And we'll talk about why this is. Yeah. I mean, anybody who can pull off a rock of ages and sing or the Mission Impossible movies knows that this man is intense and dedicated. So let's get started. Cruise is 60, almost 61 years old. His first movie was Endless Love. Now, let me tell you, May, Brooke Shields, Endless Love. But, oh, I, yes, I have seen Endless Love, yes. But I mainly remember a, a very young adolescent, Brooke Shields, having sex with some older man, teenager. Yes. So that's about it. Yes. I don't really remember Tom Cruise at all, to be honest with you. I know he plays the part of Billy, but I hardly remember him. He was probably, how old was he when Endless Love came out? Oh, I mean, maybe 18. I mean, it's, yeah. not a, it's not a famous scene. He just has that one scene where he tells him how to burn the house down. But that's, oh, kind, of, okay. that's, that's kind of his start. And let's keep going on here. So... After that, Cruz has got Taps. I loved Taps. I used to watch yeah. this movie all the time. Timothy Hutton, young Sean Penn. Cruz plays the crazy cadet. So if you guys aren't familiar with this movie, it's a movie where cadets, their school, like a West Point for high school kids, is going to close down. And yeah. so George C. Scott plays the kind of the head of the school. And then a series of events makes the kids... Uh, fight back and not close down, and it's a great movie. Do you? What, what's your take on Taps? And oh yeah, this? I love I love this movie. It was one of the first movies that came out when I had HBO on cable when I was mm. a kid, mm. and I just watched it constantly, probably five or six times. And um, I, I do remember him. He wasn't he up at the Watchtower, yes, or somewhere. And he just starts shooting, and it's just—it's—he's crazed. He's a crazy man, young man, and so it's amazing to see somebody like Tom Cruise do something like that. Well, that's that's the first glimpse we get of passionate Tom Cruise. He's really committed in that role, and at the end of the movie, they're shooting back at him, and Timothy Hutton tries to save him, and they both die at the end of that movie. Right. Well. Wow. It's a great movie. It's All right. a great movie. It's a, it's a great movie. Yeah, and he, he shows his chops, and I think this helps him get outsiders and risky business later on. 1982, we have Losing It. He plays a guy named Woody. I do remember this movie. It's about a bunch of high school kids 
who go to Mexico to lose their virginity. I do remember this movie. Believe it or not, I think we'll get to this. I think there's only like three Cruise movies I haven't seen out of this 46. I've I've seen his whole filmography in the 80s, but we'll skip that. 1983 is Kukla's The Outsiders. This, of course, has a lot of famous people. It's got Swayze. It's got Rob Lowe, C. Thomas Howell, Ralph Macchio, the beautiful Diane Lane. What's your remembrance of this movie? Because Cruz has a small role. Well, I remember Emilio Estevez. Uh-huh. And I, rem- I remember Rob Lowe. I remember all of them, actually, because this is a, a, a terrific book by Essie Hinton, who is mm. from Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, actually. And it it's it's just perfect. The casting is perfect in this movie, if, if you've read the book as well. And uh, Tom Cruise, again, he's he just he plays sort of like this sort of, uh, I don't know, kind of. Yeah, he's an outsider, of course, but he's 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 just outside of himself, even among those other guys, too. I mean, he's just I don't want to call him a crazy character, but how would you describe him? Right but now? I, I, don't, I don't really remember much. And I, to me, this movie is, is Swayze, C. Times Howell. Mm-hmm. Have some scenes, but nothing that's really that memorable. Uh, I, I, they're definitely a supporting role, but Coppola's got an eye for talent, as you saw 10 years earlier with uh, Godfather. So I, I've heard interviews from a lot of actors who, who were auditioning to be in this movie because it, it was like the it movie, because who wouldn't want to do a Coppola movie? Right. Yeah. So. This, also, I just remember him taking a bite out of this hostess cupcake. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has it all over his mouth and his teeth. <laughs> and that to me was, you know, made me think, well, this guy is really not altogether all there either, this character maybe. But he, he fit the part well, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's got a big part. To me, that this movie is Matthew dying in the hospital after burning being burnt alive and then dying in Lane, because I'm a guy and dying in Lane is gorgeous. All right. So 1983 was a great year for him because he did this, All the Right Moves in Risky Business. So we'll get to Risky Business in a second. All the Right Moves, another movie I've seen. I've seen this many times. This is a movie where he plays a high school football player trying to leave a West Virginia small town. His love interest is Leah Thompson. And there's a coach played by Greg T. Nelson, who's a hard, uh, hard arse. Uh-huh. And... Uh, it's, it's a great movie, and I remember it because he was a full frontal sex scene with Leah Thompson. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. I don't. I've but seen the movie. the two together. I do. So you're, you have seen the movie? I have seen the movie, but I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. That scene that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Full frontal nudity. Yeah, and this is, this is uh, cute Leah Thompson. Hmm. Yeah, but you're saying full frontal as far as uh, Tom, Tom Cruise, right? Uh, this is, I don't know if my audio is any better or worse right now. Uh, this is Tom Cruise and Leah Thompson showing some stuff. Okay. okay <laughs> I mean, this is but... early 80s, right? This is early 80s. This, this wasn't that uncommon. Okay, yeah. I just don't really, I saw the movie, but I don't remember the full frontal. All right, that's fine. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I yeah. was a 
a nine-year-old boy when this movie came out. And even then I was, I was oversexed. All right. So let's get to global <laughs> and risky business. I mean, this of course is career defining movie. I've seen this movie recently. I've probably seen it 12 times in my life, but I saw it recently about two months ago. And, you know, it, it's a darker movie that people remember because Guido played by Joe Pants and you got Rebecca De Mornay, and essentially he's running out his house to prostitutes to serve his high school buddies sex. So, I mean, it is kind of a dark movie. It has a darker undertone than I think many people realize if they haven't seen the movie lately. I think if people didn't know De Mornay and Tom Cruise did have an affair during this or did have a, a relationship during this movie, and uh, you can kind of see it in the, some of the scenes. Do you remember any of the scenes in this movie where they're together? Do you remember the first scene where she walks in through the door and the oh, wind yeah. opens the door and she shows uh, full frontal? And, and she's she's actually the same age, I believe, as Tom Cruise. And yet her character seems so much older yeah, than, the, for sure. than Tom Cruise. And I think that, that I think that's, that's part of the role, right? Because he's yeah, and that's, that's likable in some ways, but in other ways, you don't really care for Rebecca De Mornay. I don't, I don't think she's pretty, and I don't think she's a good actress. I don't think she does a good job in this movie. And I could have seen them maybe re, like a recasting thing, early '80s. I mean, who who could have played a, a woman in the mid? Maybe a Kim Basinger, maybe. Um, Demi Moore would have been too young because she wasn't discovered, but I don't I don't think she does that great of a job. But I think she's she's suitable for the part though. I think she she does all right in the role. Okay. And um yeah, I do remember the big house party that they have and uh the the Princeton yeah. uh, representative coming by trying to interview him. Right, and he gets and then, served at the end as well. Right. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. I mean, you and then, of that. course, his, his bitchy mom at the end who sees a little crack in the in the glass right. ornament on so, the fireplace. This I mean, is that, that really made an impression on me being only about 10, maybe, when I saw that, or 9, actually. So yeah, my, my impression of this movie at the time, because I remember, do, I, I remember sneaking into movie theaters when I was young, young, because I'm the youngest of three brothers, and they'd they'd sneak me in or I would sneak in. So I did see this movie when it came out, and I just remember full frontal, them having sex on the stairs, Rebecca, yeah. and Joe Pants playing Guido, uh, the pimp, and I mean, look, he's charismatic. People remember him dancing in his underwear, but you can see at 21 years old that Cruz has got something and this of course parlays into top gun three years later but mm -hmm. a movie i want to mention because this movie is dear to my heart is legend because legend is like the only time cruise has done sci-fi see at this point he's young he's trying to get as many roles as possible just to get out there he he he, he did legend before risky business got really really big and it's got the beautiful Mia Sarah. And if you guys haven't seen this movie, it's 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 kind of like Willow meets I I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of like Willow. But actually right. Legend came out in 1985, though, which was a You're good right. two years after Risky Business. You're so. right. You're right. So um, 
in the story, a unicorn is it's 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 uh, horns cut off, and then the whole world goes into darkness, and then there's this devil character, yeah, is abducted by that. him, and then he and a, a group of creatures have to go and rescue Mia Sarah's character, and it's crews with long hair and tights. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's the first time I've seen him, I think, with that kind of long hair. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not very attracted to that Tom Cruise, no. I, I think Our it's dude. a great movie because you don't see him. Like, movies that deviate from classic Cruise, I think, are just great outliers, kind of like the way you like Brad Pitt uh, deviating from the more Robert Redford part of him. Mm -hmm. So this is why I like Cruise in... in um, this movie, this is why I like him in other movies where he plays a different character and he's just not cruising on his charisma. So like Rock of Ages is another movie that's really bad, but he's singing and he's really dedicated to it. But what well, has a, yeah, a soft there are, movie. there are quite a few movies where he does sport that long hair. So, yeah. All right, let's get to 1986. So at this point, we have the breakout movie, the super breakout movie that solidifies him as an A-list star with Top Gun. Risky Business was kind of his breakout movie, but this is like putting on the A-listers. Of course, Top Gun is is pretty fresh in people's mind because of Top Gun 2. What's your take on him and Top Gun? I'm not a huge fan of Top Gun. Ooh, I, I, hot take. I, you know, he's, of course, very handsome in it, in the uniform. As, as a pilot and of course you have a very young Val Kilmer who's also quite handsome too uh, in his day and you have um Anthony Edwards mm -hmm. who's okay and then Meg Ryan is, is in it yeah and then of course Kelly McGillis who's actually I think pr pretty hot in this movie as well so yeah I mean everybody is is well cast it's just that I'm not really into the all the air flying. Well, at the time, the graphics were, were pretty impressive. What do you think about the homoerotic things between him and Kilmer, like in the volleyball scenes? Because, I mean, those are legendary. <laughs> oh, Some well, I don't think old. much about that. But I do remember Rick Rossovich, another yeah, very course, Yeah, he's hot in this. But that, yeah, that's, that's legendary. Yeah, all over the place. So, no, yeah. that, that beach volleyball scene is, is like one of the <laughs> homoerotic scenes oh. of all time. It's oh, like, yeah. Do you have more chemistry with Val Kilmer or Kelly McGillis? And my hot take is she's not good in this movie. She's oh. not good in this movie, and she could have easily been replaced. I'd rather have seen Meg Ryan be the instructor. Absolute girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she she's so bad in this. And if you haven't seen her recently, she's very old and unattractive. That's why they didn't bring her back for the sequel. But I don't think she's not good in this. I think the chemistry between Kilmer and Cruz is great. I think they do sure. a really good job of it. And I've seen the Val Kimmer documentary on Showtime where he talks mm -hmm. about how they cruise intentionally put tension in the set because mm -hmm. he wanted those scenes to be palpable between the two of them. Oh, just between him and, and yeah, like remember the scene in the locker, it. the locker where where yeah. Val was like, You're dangerous. And he's like, That's right. I am <laughs> <laughs> and somebody's always chewing gum. I yeah, yeah, right, right, right. My, I got a great anecdotal story. My brother used to teach me how to pick up women by watching Top Gun later oh on. Oh my god! So there's that scene where he goes to McGillis's house and he's all smelly because it's right after the homoerotic beach scene, the beach volleyball scene. And and yes. my brother, you'd be like, you know, Gregory, you see how he goes in 
and he leans in and he can tell that he wa- that she wants him, but he's like, I'm going to go take a shower. <laughs> then he goes and takes a shower because you want to leave the woman wanting more. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, look, either way, he's very no, I, I think you, you should give more props to Kelly McGillis for being who she is because she was very pretty in, the, in Top Gun. Yeah. Look, where did her career go? She did this and the accused. So Hollywood tells you all you need to know about whether or not somebody is beautiful or talented. And they they said, survey says no. But Cruz, Cruz is exceedingly charismatic. See, the thing is that there's like, I'm cruising on charisma Cruz. I know that's a lot of alliteration. And then there's like, I'm trying really hard Cruz. Magnolia is I'm trying really hard Cruz. Top Gun is a lot of his movies where he's just like, I know I'm charismatic. I know I'm good looking. This is who I am. Yeah, but his character in Magnolia is supposed to be like that anyways. Very full of himself. Well, I understand, but but I'm, my, but my point is like there's there's times where he's just packing in the charisma and he's not really trying hard. And I would say Top Gun is just Tom Cruise. We'll talk about this part two, part three. Is not a good actor. He's a great movie star. We've talked about the difference between being a, a lead movie star and being a good actor. I would has I would say that he's not a good actor. But he's got. I would mind. disagree with you. I think he, like Brad Pitt, evolved through the years. But it's actually yeah. taken Tom Cruise less time to evolve. So. I would say that Cruise, early Cruise, is better than any other time of Cruise. And you see this demonstrated mm. by at this point, he's trying to work with the best directors, which we're going to get to in this part in part mm. two. I think after he meets Nicole Kidman, he gets even better. So okay. Well, we'll definitely talk opinion. about that in part two. Yeah. I think I think I think late eighties is peak is peak cruise. No, I disagree. I disagree. Okay. Well, he is working 90s. with nineties uh, are his his peak years for me. Okay. Well, here okay. He's, he's working with Tony Scott, so Ridley Scott's brother, and you know later right. on Tony Scott goes to do tons of action movies. So eighty six, later in eighty six, he does Color of Money. This is Scorsese, where he plays the pool shark mm-hmm. with Robert Redford and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, who had her moment in the late eighties. Talk about a, a an actress who you wouldn't think would have a decent career for four years because she's not classically beautiful. That you said she only had a four year career. Is that what? Well, she's like this, The Abyss, the Cameron movie. And then she had that legal drama, but she didn't really have a big career. Okay. I I mean, I agree she had a pretty short, short career, you know. What's your take on not, this? Movie? She's not the she's not the highlight of no. the, the color of money. She could have easily been replaced by tons of other actresses. Have you mm-hmm. seen this movie lately? I'm not recently, no. Okay, I saw this about a year ago, and um, I mean it's great. He's great. He he's mm-hmm. very charismatic. He's playing essentially Paul Newman's character that Paul Newman played in The Hustler 20, 25 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years earlier. And he plays the impressionable pool prodigy who Newman takes him under his wing. But he's a hot shot. He's he hot is a hot shot. So it's, it's perfect for Cruz. It's perfect for young Cruz. And you know what? He actually reminds me of the character he played in The Outsiders. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So he's Cruz got is- that- Exuberance, I'm telling you. Cruz's hair in this movie is like all time. I mean, you could literally put a pot, a plant pot on top of his head and it wouldn't fall off. He's got that really high hair in this Mm -hmm. movie. And he plays that that New Jersey Guido who's listening to Bon Jovi really, really well. 
So I would say this is the beginning of Cruz wanting to work with great directors. And he, he goes on this run where he's like, I'm at my peak. I want to be with the best directors of this time. So he does Scorsese, even though this isn't one of Scorsese's best movies. 1988, yeah. one of my favorite movies of Cruz because it's got my girl, Elizabeth Shue, yeah. Cocktail. What's your take on Cocktail? What's your take on I, I thought it was a throwaway movie oh. of his. Um, I wasn't very impressed with the whole, you know, everybody wanting to get their bar tender license right after seeing this movie, you know. <laughs> but I I think that he, he does a decent job playing, you know, somebody who's somewhat interesting. But I do think Elizabeth Chew steals the show. Well, that's a hot take. I would say Brian Brown steals this show. He's really good as the older guy takes him under his wing. She's cute. She's got the big 80s perm in this movie. But this is one of those movies where I talked about where Cruz is just is just sailing on his his charisma. This is like, I'm not trying. I'm just being me. Charismatic Tom Cruise. The whole movie. He has that scene where he goes with the cougar lady who's played by. um, Oh, the woman from Roadhouse, Kelly Lynch. No, Kelly Lynch plays Brian Brown's wife, who later. Wife, right. Right. But uh, this is all charisma cruise, no doubt. I, I guess so. But I still think Elizabeth Chu is a great leading lady. And I think that she she does steal the show for me. Hmm. Um, she's all right in this. No, I think she's good. I think she's very good. Until, of course, she gets her Oscar nomination with Nicolas Cage. I think most people, Maybe when they Las think Vegas. of Shoe, they're going to think of Karate Kid and Adventures in Babysitting. No, they're going to think of Leaving Las Vegas, where she got nominated. No, I would say the majority of people don't even remember that movie. No, I disagree. Our generation, she's always going to be. That's a very jarring film. That is a very right, jarring Exactly. Film. That's why no one saw the movie. It's an art house flick that nobody saw. Everyone's it's not gonna an art house her. flick. Everyone's going to remember her as Allie. From Pretty the mainstream, actually, I think. But yeah, okay. She's Allie from the Karate Kid. All right, so let's get to 1988. He's Rain Man, Charlie Babbitt. This is Levinson's movie. Uh, of course, Hoffman gets the Academy Award. Have how how long has it been since you've seen this movie? Probably just like last year. I've seen it on on TV so many times too. So yeah, last year probably. What's your take on Hot Shot Cruise? He plays another role where he's a hot shot, right? A hothead. Again, hot yeah, he he is a hot shot, but he's a more redeemable hot shot in Rain Man, uh, playing the brother of. Uh, well, actually, he's Charlie Babbitt, right? So yeah, he's Charlie um, Babbitt. Yeah, he's Charlie Babbitt. But then Hoffman and he just really have this great chemistry together as brothers. And um, even though Dustin Hoffman is someone who's a, a, an autistic savant in the film. But yeah, I, I think that this is definitely, I mean, it was kind of debatable as far as why it got best picture for um, that year for the Oscars. But I, I think it's deserving of it. I think uh, here's my hot, here's my hot take great. on Rain. Here's my hot take on Rain Man. Okay, one Valerie Galino, not memorable. They could have replaced her with fifty different actresses. I mean, she's sure, worse sure. than Elizabeth Master Antonio. <laughs> here's my hot take. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where we talked about Brad Pitt and DiCaprio, Cruz deserves the Academy Award in this movie. 
What Hoffman oh. is doing is not impressive. He's essentially starting this run of A-level actors who got to play the moron, right? So you see I Am Sam with Sean Penn later. You see Hanks doing Forrest Gump. Hoffman starts this. So I think it's a much easier role to play the role he's doing of the idiot savant. Okay. We call it autistic guy now. Then, then see the range of emotion that Cruz plays in this movie. You know, he's selling Ferraris in the beginning. He's kind of just an impulsive guy who's just using his brother. And then he yes. has a really great character arc. And I just think he has to portray more nuance in this movie than Hoffman does. Hoffman is essentially playing, you know, a special Ed guy. So Cruz should have won his first was Academy Tom Award. Was Cruz nominated that year? I don't was believe he was. nominated for Best Supporting Actor or anything? No, no, no. His and first... he should have gotten some kind of recognition. Then. Yeah. His first nomination comes the following year with Born on the Fourth of July. This is Oliver Stone at his peak. Man, Stone's got off the deep end, but this is coming off of Platoon. This is coming off of him writing the script for Scarface. So this is right before JFK. Uh, I, he plays Ron Kovich, a real-life Vietnam veteran. I don't right. like this movie. It's not a movie that I go back and rewatch because it is a downer. Well, I, I wanted to finish up Rain Man, though. Okay. Which was, uh, yeah, I, I just love, like you said, the, the gamut of emotions that he displays in that film. And, you know, the scene where he uh, he starts, uh, I guess, Raymond Babbitt starts saying, hot water burn baby. And then uh, Charlie also repeats him. And then he finally makes that revelation, that discovery. It's a great that, scene. That he is the Rain Man. Right. That, yeah, that Raymond is the Rain Man. So, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, born on the 4th of July, that, that was his first nomination. I think at this point, they, they were like, okay, Cruz has got town. He's working with these big directors. He's he's doing a more dr straight, dramatic role. He does not play the hothead like he's done in previous movies. He's just kind of an earnest American kid. And then we'll uh, go to Vietnam. And then he becomes, uh, you know, of course, darkened and, and skeptical and cynical mm -hmm. and goes through a dark period. And then he becomes a, a uh, rights advocate for Vietnam vets. So right. I think it's honestly more of a vehicle for Oliver Stone to push his leftist politics. I, I mean, really, I mean, he's good in this movie. He's very good. Does he deserve the Academy Award? I, I would say like what we talked about with Brad Pitt, how it was one movie too early. He should have got it for Inglorious Bastards instead of getting it for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think I would have given, if you had to give Cruz an Academy Award nomination in the 80s, I would have given it for cocktail. No, I'm just kidding. I would have given it for Rain Man overborn on the fourth of July. As best supporting, right? Best supporting actor. Well, but no, I I would argue that he is the lead in that movie. He is in oh, that movie okay. from the beginning. Hoffman's okay. character is not introduced until like 20 minutes in. Well, you know, I think he does a good enough job or you know, to, to be nominated for best actor in Born on the Fourth of July. So I think he definitely deserved that nomination. But no, I I, I don't think he deserved the Oscar, though. Which of those two movies is more, more memorable to the typical American, Born on the Fourth of July or Rain Man? Rain Man, of course. Rain Man, right. Yeah. So I think I think time will say that that is one of his best performances 
uh, of all time. I mean, I, I think that's the take. Now, really quickly, we finish with 80s cruise movies. His dating life is pretty interesting. He starts dating Melissa Gilbert for Little House on the Prairie in the early part of his career. And then later, he does uh, have a relationship with Rebecca De Mornay. He has a relationship with Cher. Cher's come out uh, and on record and say that he was one of her top five best lovers of all time. Cher must have been at least 15, if not 20 years older than him. Yeah. And then, of course, he's with Mimi Rogers, his first wife, who was seven years his elder. They got together when she was about 32 and he was 25. And they were married for most of the second half of the uh, 80s. And she also left because of Scientology. Interesting. I didn't know that. So the, the first of many. <laughs> right. The first of many of his the women. The first of leave. many women who will leave him for, because of Scientology. So. I find it interesting that because in the 80s, he didn't have this reputation of being a closet homosexual or a closet weirdo yet. And I don't know if it's <laughs> we didn't have the internet at that point or he just wasn't acting as strange. But kind of like the way we, we look back at George Michael in the 80s, you know, he's doing Wham, I Want Your Sex. And he was perceived to be this heterosexual uh, lover, Lothario. And then we find out later, of course, that he was far from that. Cruise of the 80s was considered very heterosexual, very sexual. And he had chemistry with the women in his movies. But then you see, as his career goes on, he has no chemistry with the women, especially in the 21st century movies. He has no are you sexual about, chemistry. Are you talking about the Mission Impossible, the Mission Impossible movie? You could go to Cameron Diaz in Night and Day. Yes, the Mission Impossible movies with like Tandy Newton, Emmanuel Bear, who I think is gorgeous in the first one, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby. But I, he has no chemistry. I mean, even in one of my favorite movies, which we'll talk about in the next part, with Jerry Maguire, he's not sexual with his his co-stars, but in the 80s, it was more believable. Maybe it's just because hindsight's 2020, and you can look back and be like, well, we didn't know anything about Tom Cruise's sexuality at that point. But I don't know. I, I just I don't find him like Demi Moore and Few Good Men, you know, there's no chemistry. Well, with that movie, it's a little different, I think. Because they're just mainly colleagues and uh, just trying to solve a really intense case against Jack Nicholson. So, All right. What about, well, we'll talk about 90s, but what about his his two, I would say his three movies with his his, his ex-wife, Nicole Kidman? I think Kidman. he has incredible chemistry with Nicole Kidman. Oh, I don't um, think he has any. No, I do. In Eyes Wide Shut, he's got none. Well, yes, he has a lot of chemistry in Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, I don't. Um, have I mean, have you seen that movie recently? I mean, yeah, we I thought, uh, six months ago. But I do think he has incredible chemistry with his wife in that movie, his ex-wife. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, they have very good chemistry fighting because all those scenes are really truly them at the end of their marriage. But you look at Far and Away, you look at Days of Thunder. I don't think there's any sexual chemistry in those. Movies. I think there is in Far and Away. I'm, okay, I'm well, Days of well, Thunder, not so much, maybe. Okay, well, we'll get... away, he does have something. All right, we're running out of time here, so we'll get to that in nineties. Nineties, uh, Tom Cruise. Okay. In closing, what's your take of his first uh, almost decade in the movie industry? Is this peak Cruise? You say it's nineties. I would say it's 
late eighties to early nineties. I, I still, I think Rescue Business, of course, is his breakout film. And that will always, he'll always be remembered for that, for the, for the sofa stomping scene and for all of what he does in that film. Um, and of course there's Top Gun, which I'm not a huge fan of, but everyone else seems to be a fan no, of. But in terms of his but, acting. But otherwise, I think really, as far as his acting is concerned, I think that the nineties is where he really peaks. Um, okay. Well, when we go through the nineties, we'll definitely discuss it. I think this is his auteur moment where he's seeking out the best directors. And then after Magnolia, so in the 90s, he's still, because he's doing Cameron Crowe and so forth, and P.T. Anderson, who we know you hate. But certainly- <laughs> oh, I don't, I like Magnolia, and that's Okay, <laughs> so certainly by the end of the of the next decade, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to work with Christopher McQuarrie. I'm just going to work with the same director five times. Either way, we'll get to it when we get to it. May, I appreciate you coming on for 80s, Tom Cruise. And sure. Time. I hope we I hope we did him justice, you know. I feel like that was kind of a short one for me, but well yeah. he's he we're doing him justice. He's getting three parts as opposed to Brad Pitt, who only got two parts. Tom Cruise is a oh, okay. he's infinitely better than Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt right. can't even hold a candle to Tom Cruise. We can have this debate another time. Oh uh, yeah, I guess so. All right, anyway, I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks, Bye-bye. sir. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.